if we could end the racial warfare and name-calling in America, eliminate the angry finger-pointing, and dispel some of our fears with one simple step, knowing yourself. It's that easy for Lexi Brockway-Potomkin. She's the author of six books, including her latest, Know Yourself, Develop a More Compassionate, Stronger, and Happier You. Lexi's deep insight speaks to powerful recipes for healing and discovering our individual gifts, meaning, and purpose in life. As a former Miss World USA, her light shines from the inside out and comes from her experiences as a successful business leader, humanitarian, psychologist, and ordained minister. It's no surprise, actually, that the Dalai Lama has nicknamed Lexi his enlightened daughter. This, my friends, is her story. Welcome to Sippin' On Stories, where we take you into the lives of diverse and unique change makers who turn anxiety, fear, and passion into powerful recipes for success. Good stories build insightful connections, but great stories. Now, that's something special. Today's story is one of those stories. Welcome back, dear listeners. I have to admit, I'm a prayerful person, but today's guest, Lexi Potomkin, has challenged the way I see compassion and acceptance. My name is Rose McInerney, and I'm honored to share Lexi's story today. My great friend, Erica Hilton, introduced the two of us after she submitted a fantastic article about this enlightened woman. Lexi actually reminds me of a story I wrote years ago about Shoshin O'Halloran. I think I said that right. She was a Buddhist saint, or nickname a Buddhist saint. She combined the best of many faiths and saw the world as a place of love and endless possibilities. So before we meet Lexi, I'm hoping you'll hit that subscribe button to hear all of our interviews and also to head over to our Sipping on Stories website to learn more about the guests we feature and how to connect with them. Thanks to WS Magazine, Care of Womanscape.com, for featuring Lexi's story in their issue, What If, and sponsoring these episodes. So let's head into the Sipping on Story Lounge for what I hope will be the first of many interviews with this enlightened being, Lexi Potomkin. Lounge today, Lexi. It's great to see you. Thank you, Rose. Thank you. And I am sipping. Here I am. What are you sipping on today, Lexi? Let's share. Well, today is Tulsi tea, which I love. It's very relaxing and stimulating at the same time. Tulsi tea. Something I could use. And I love the cup. Very good. Yes. This, yes. It, it says spirit is uh, love. Love one another. When I did my first book many years ago, it was What is Spirit? And we designed these mugs to sell with it. So that was that. And then I also have another mug here that says know yourself. So a friend of mine gave me this. And then it says uh, the day we published it, which was my birthday, and that's it. When is your birthday? December 2nd. Okay. Does that make you a Scorpio? It's Sagittarius. Sagittarius. Okay. Not that I know my signs are really follow. I just know I'm a Libra, and that seems to fit me these days. But I love the cup, and I can't help but think maybe if we all sipped out of that know yourself cup, we might be a little kinder to each other. But on that note, I'm going to jump in because I've brought my own visual aids today. I've got your book, Lexi, which is the latest. It's book number six in your series of books, and it's called Know Yourself, Develop a More Compassionate, Stronger, and Happier You. 
congratulations, first off, because I know this is recent. Published in 2020, the fall of 2020? It was December 2nd I launched it. So it's a brand new book. And, uh, you know, I, I really do believe that uh, it's our responsibility as humans to try to have a compassion for everyone in life. So it motivated me to write the books. And you did say that earlier about the mug. So I think I need to switch my tea and start sipping on yours. <laughs> Tulsi tea. <laughs> Today is going to be a day of discovery for me. And I hope all of the listeners that are joining us as we share some highlights about your story and really your insight into faith. You've been honing your skills over the last couple of decades. And I couldn't help but notice, of course, on womanscape.com, there's an article written by our mutual friend, Erica Hilton. The article is beautifully written, and she really describes you as a uh, woman who has just gone through a series of evolutions, but you are, she calls you a polymath and saying that you don't just do things, you do everything you do really well, and you dive deep into those subjects, those things you explore, and really all that you've put your energies into in life. And so, you know, your, your resume is author, speaker, ordained minister, former Miss USA, which kind of stands out there. I'm like, wow, she's beautiful inside out is what that says to me. Two decades in the business realm in entertainment, a PR guru. You've also done a talk show and you've managed to somewhere along the way acquire a master's in psychology, applied psychology as well from the University of Santa Monica. So this is new meaning to jack of all trades. It's amazing, Lexi. Let's, I'd love to, to make sure though that we spend really the time where we need to. And anyone that would like to read that can go to womanscape.com and read Erica's beautiful article. But, but let's jump into the book, Know Yourself. Why did you write this book? Well, I've been I've been very fortunate, you know, to be able to study with scholars and be able to go back and get a master's degree in applied psychology. And then I studied with uh, Ed Bastian. He has something called Spiritual Path Institute in Santa Barbara. And that was another two year study where we looked at the mystical aspects of Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, Sufism and Christianity. So I feel very fortunate that in my life, I've been able to go back and get some of this higher education and study comparative religions and look at them. And I felt most people don't have that time. So can I put some of that into a philosophy book, you know, a little bit of Hinduism, a little bit of Buddhism, talk about my personal journey. And I felt a need of getting it out sooner than later. It's been percolating for many years to write this book, but I wanted it out now um, because I'm concerned. I, I, I want our society to be more compassionate, more loving toward each other. And compassion to me is truly listening to the other side, truly listening, hearing what they have to say, not necessarily agreeing, but not being polarized or angry. That never solves anything. And so it's coming together, um, sometimes uh, finding a common ground, sometimes not, but just the sheer opening of our hearts to a more deeper, compassionate level of hearing the other person. My mother used to say, you can't judge people because you haven't walked in their shoes. So with no judgment, hearing what they have to say, okay, I hear you, and coming up with solutions to a very complex world we live in today. So I was motivated to share 
some of my learnings in these, you know, years of my life of studying and, and um, diving deep into these traditions and saying, what, what can I offer people? It's, I, hopefully it's a book that will help and serve other people. Um, whatever religion you are, it's nice to also have a philosophy, I believe. So uh, whatever tradition you've been raised in, open your mind to these other traditions without judgment. And then maybe there's little pieces that you can incorporate into your own tradition that will enrich who you are and make you a better person, a more compassionate, loving, heartfelt person. Um, so that's what motivated me to write this book, Know Yourself. Honestly, what a beautiful answer. I think, again, I just can't help but think of the timing. 2020, as we all know, we're still talking about 2020 and 2021. It was an incredible year of tumultuous chaos for the external world, Mother Earth, but also internally for each of us. It might be job loss, all kinds of unexpected suffering. And we'll get into that because that's one of the things in the book that you really dive into because of the philosophy around Buddhism and, and what it is that that speaks to with the Four Noble Truths. But I really think the book is so timely and I cannot really promote it enough. I think Know Yourself is a beautiful way to also invite people in. It's not saying, follow this. What you do is you open your heart and you, you share very personally in the book. And I love that about it. You know, so I'm going to call this a must read because we're not listening to each other. I, I don't know. How do you, what do you think about that? Do you think that we've come out of 2020 having gone through all of this suffering and now I see things in place and we're, we're having discussions? Are we really listening? Well, I think as we do more inner work. We can improve our ability to discern our own truths and, and the things we hear out there discern. And it also allows us to perhaps go from our head to our heart and open our heart up to really listen. And again, we don't have to agree with anything, but the sheer, I guess, uh, experience of truly hearing the other side will create a shift inside of you. And you will recognize that this person is human and they're entitled to feel differently, but I can respect them even though we don't agree. And I think we've gotten far away from that. And that's very concerning to me. We're all human beings. And every person on this planet, in my opinion, is not only a wisdom teacher, but is somebody we can learn from and respect. And we don't have to agree. But I think that is the most important is to come from a place of I'm going to respect you as a human being and I'm going to listen to what you have to say. And those are very important skills. And that's where compassion comes in, you know, and it takes courage and strength and growth. But everyone can do it if you can learn to be more compassionate. I would agree. You know, I'm just thinking of what I see on the news and what I see happening in social media and you know, even with the recent elections here in the U.S., it's really hard to break through what's happening on the outside to dive into our own internal philosophies and to get back at some sense of self-examination. And that's what I really believe is the whole point of your book. I mean, you say it early on at the very beginning, 
and I really like this. My, my book is all green tags everywhere throughout the book, but your book really is first and foremost about that. It's how do I get to know yourself? So you ask pivotal questions in the opening and you're very upfront about calling out um, certain things that, you know, in order to have a blueprint for knowing who you are, you must understand your gifts, your treasures, have a sense of meaning in life and have a sense of purpose. I really like that. Let's dive into what some of that is, because I think you start in a beautiful, unexpected way with a meditation. Why a meditation? Well, meditation has truly changed my life. And I often talk to people and they say, I don't have time to meditate. But in reality, we all have five minutes a day. Uh, You can go set a timer while you're picking up your kids from school, or you can uh, go into your car for five minutes and sit there and just focus on your breath. Um, Meditation quiets the mind and allows us to go to a deeper level within ourselves. You could take a, a five minute walk where you're communing with nature. That's another form of meditation. And so I start out with a meditation because I know how valuable and how it's changed my life. I'm not as reactive. Uh, If I get angry over something or upset, I'm able to regulate those emotions. I'm able to feel that anger, but let go and go to a deeper level. And I think that's so needed. So I start out with a simple guided meditation in the beginning. It's really smart. I'm not one personally to meditate. I'm prayerful. Prayer is meditation. It's the same. I pray as well. I, I pray, I meditate, I do it all. And again, it's that's the quiet time. That's accessing, you know, divinity. It's accessing God. It's accessing whatever tradition you've been raised in. Um, Robert uh, uh, Mordello wrote something called silence. And he, he describes silence as almost an entity. And when you can go to this silent place within yourself, it's very rich and deep. And there are answers there. And that can be accessed through prayer. That can be accessed through meditation, through quietness. Uh, I say that when you go into silence, infinite possibilities are there for all of us. And so just take a few minutes to pray, to be silent, to be quiet. Just to be. We're not very good at that. And I'm just going to throw that out. And I know that's a blanket statement, but I think even when COVID hit and you know, we went through 2020, I still talk with friends that say, you know, well, now I don't know what to do anymore. There's nothing good on Netflix or, you know, I'm on Zoom all day. And then at the end of the day, I sit back to have something talk to me or to listen to someone else with headphones on. So I love that you you say that meditation can be prayer, can be whatever you call it, a walk outside with nature. We don't need to give names to it. No, we don't have to give names to it. And it doesn't have to be laborious. It's really self-care. And self-care is so important. Um, you, we need to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of others and serve. And self-care starts with, you know, what do you say to yourself every day? Take, take a look at those words. Um, and take five minutes out a day. Five minutes is plenty just to be quiet and pray or meditate or whatever you want to call it. Um, That's taking care of yourself, and that's very important in today's world, and we all have five minutes a day. 
I was just going to say that we all have five minutes, so there's no excuse when you get Lexi's book and you open it up, go right to the meditation. So here's what I love about the book. The book is divided into five sections. The first one goes right to what I think the heart of the problem is here, really in the world and maybe the state of what I believe is we sort of lost our way. I think in the busyness of life and the getting things done, we've gotten so caught up in what we need to do and who we want to be or who we think we are that we've forgotten about your first chapter and that's embracing people, period, and then embracing people of all backgrounds. So you have in here ways to ask questions to embrace people and to embrace where that comes from. And so because you've studied different faiths, you feel so connected to so many. And I think you're connected to so many different types of people from all over. What is it that that does for you in this diversity? And then what do you think they all have in common? Well, you do realize that we're all here as human beings for a short time. So we need to be kind to each other. You know, I, uh, the one book I do teach off is what is death. And I say, we're all going to die. It's a matter of when. So how do you want to live your life and how do you want to be remembered? Um, And so when you look at people that look different or have a different faith, I think you need to ask yourself, well, that's a human being. And that person has the same concerns and cares. They, They care about their family. They care about their happiness. They care about their health. They're dealing and struggling with every, everybody in this life is struggling with something. We all have pain. We all have suffering. That's part of our human experience. And so when you look at them, and you can also visualize that person as a little baby. They were born innocent and pure and beautiful. And we all came into this world that same way. So you can look at people and just go, you know, they were a little baby once, pure and innocent. Okay. And start from there, right? That might be great conflict, you know, some de-escalation to be able to see people when you're angry to picture them in different roles like that or different time frames, Right. And so, um, you know, you, if you start from that, and I believe I can literally learn from everybody and anybody. And I often say to my kids, you can't judge a book by its cover. Okay. And, and I talk about one time I was in line, it was for fast food. And the gentleman in front of me was in it like a little bikini because it was in a warm weather climate. And he had tattoos all over his body and and rings all over. And I just started talking to this guy. (laughs) And he was a soccer uh, uh, father. He has three kids. His, His wife was a teacher. He couldn't have been more normal. I never asked him why he tattooed his body or why he pierced. I didn't care. Didn't matter. Okay. And the easiest thing would just be sitting there judging him, you know, and when you give up judgment, first of all, it's so freeing and liberating. And number two, here was an opportunity to connect with a beautiful soul and talk to him. And so often it's fear. Uh, We haven't been exposed to somebody who looks like that or acts like that or has that religion but just connect on a human level. Let all of that go. doesn't matter if they're wearing a burqa or if they're wearing this or that. Just let all that go and say, that's a human being. Let me smile and say hello to that person, you know, and, and they may not engage and that's okay too. Let that go. But if they do, you might have missed an opportunity to connect with somebody that you're going to learn a lot. So I think it's having the intention that 
you know, like I said earlier, that everybody here is a wisdom teacher on this earth and I can learn from everybody. Um, and I see people in the business world, the best managers, the best CEOs are the ones that recognize that they have built a company of diversity and people that all have their own strengths and they honor and respect everybody from the janitor to the CFO. That's a person who's running a good business because why? They value everybody's job. They value everybody as a human being. They respect. That's how you build a country. That's how you build a world. That's how you build an organization. And so it's just having that awareness and starting with that intention. And, and letting go of fear. It's really letting go of fear. So I think fear is a big one. I think you are, you know, honing in on something. I think, you know, again, especially today, everyone's very fearful and there's a lot of shaming for having different beliefs or diversity of thought. And letting go of that is a great way to start. The one thing I don't like about the mask is I can't use my, my most favorite disarming tool and that's a smile. I agree. I miss that. I, you know, I've seen people like you standing in line where they look angry. And if you just smile, I, you know, there have been times where I, where you know that maybe there's just a hunger for some other human connection. And the smile is not just disarming. It's, it's sending that signal that you're in it together and you're reaching out. You're reaching out with a smile. You're reaching out with a smile. Smiling is healing. You know, when, when you see somebody and you smile, you just, you've sent positive energy without even realizing it's very healing. It's connecting, like you said, and I miss that too, with the mass. I think we all are. And that's where a lot of this pain is coming from. We feel disconnected. We need to be hugged as human beings. We need to get engaged to look in someone's eyes and smile. That's, that's, that's part of being human. And this is dehumanizing having to wear a mask. 100%. It's painful. I couldn't agree more. I don't want to get sidetracked on that because we could do a whole episode, I think, on yeah. the effects of that. But what have you found in all of your studies about the spiritual connection between all these diverse religious beliefs or even just practices that people have? No, I think that when I've looked at all these traditions, they all want to teach us how to have more meaning in our life, I believe, how to have more connection, how to have more compassion and love. And they may go about it in different ways, but it does come down to that bottom line. Um, and I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think if we can recognize that there's no right or wrong, it's what's right or wrong for you, you know? And um, so people say, you know, so what tradition are you? And as you know, in my book, I say, I'm an enthusiastic, I include everybody. But I also say that if I was a tree, my trunk would be Christian. Uh, my roots are deep in Christianity. And then my branches would be Buddhism and Hinduism and Sufism and, uh, you know, Judaism and all these different traditions that I've studied. Because studying a little bit about those traditions have, has enhanced my Christianity, has enhanced the way I look at the world. And it also allows me uh, in my heart to hold a sacred place for all those traditions and people have the right to be whoever they are. I, I'm very tolerant. And I think that comes from not being afraid because I've looked into those traditions. You know, they're beautiful. You know, they're all beautiful. You know, you spend time with Native Americans and Indigenous people. They're just naturally beautiful and Indigenous and 
you know, uh, healing and spiritual and, you know, you don't have to label. We're all, again, we're all humans and we go about it differently. But again, it's just having respect for everyone and then holding on to what I believe in. And that's fine. But also hearing that this person thinks differently. And I go, wow, that's interesting. I like that because, you know, that resonated with me when I saw your tree analogy and I thought, but we can't be all those things because there are some things in there when you look at the faiths that definitely there's a difference about how love is approached, whether it's God-centric, whether it's overcoming suffering, whether it's about all those different things that are the major precepts of whatever that faith is. But I love what you're doing here. What you're doing is saying, you choose, you own what that is, but don't be afraid. Open yourself, explore it, and take the gifts or the wisdom from each of these that resonate and help you to express love, to be a better person, and maybe to find truths, deeper truths that you might not have felt or identified with because of the exploration. Correct. Absolutely. That's what I'm asking the reader to do. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm doing it now, thanks to you. And here was one of my big questions. It's around suffering. And I think it's in lieu of, you know, something that you said earlier. I mean, 2020 has been a year of suffering, but we all suffer in some way. What role do you think suffering plays in our lives? Well, suffering is, is universal. We all suffer with our emotions. We all suffer loss. Um, you know, in my, in my book, What is Death? I talk a lot about that because one of the greatest sufferings we have is losing a loved one or, or the attachment or bond we have with something, losing a pet. I recently lost my little dog and I'm still suffering, uh, you know, and obviously the biggest one was when my father died. I was only 19. And I was not ready to let him go. And that caused great suffering in my life. Um, what I love about uh, some of the Buddhist teachings is uh, the whole idea of suffering and impermanence. And when you, when you, you know, when they build that gorgeous uh, sand mandala, the sand mandala is a roadmap to enlightenment for them. And it's this beautiful piece of art made out of all this sand. And they'll spend 50, 60 hours creating a masterpiece. And at the end, they sweep it up, okay? And all that hard work and all that intention and prayer that they put into it is swept up and you get a little, some sand and, and you can go put it out into the river, ocean and, and heal the world with it. But it teaches us impermanence. And I think that's something that as Westerners, we need to really uh, grasp and it adds more meaning to our life. That if everything's impermanent, our dogs, our parents, our children, everything, it, it allows you to appreciate them more. It allows you to go deeper. It, it motivates you to want to connect on that deepest level. Um, so, you know, suffering is inevitable and it does teach us to be more present and more appreciative and more grateful. So I do believe that suffering does have a role. And I know for myself, just slowing down and not being able to hop on a plane and be busy, I there was definitely more time to sit back and sort of say, you know, what am I missing? The day that the global pandemic was announced on March 10th, my father passed away. And, you know, he had been suffering for a long time from dementia. 
And I had been on this trek and I managed to get back, you know, just on the Friday, my father passed away on a Tuesday and I came back from these travels. I knew he was ill. I had gotten a note from my brother and I had been on my own little quest climbing a mountain. And I uh, came back to this and it was really humbling to lose the first of, you know, my parents, but it also taught me so much. My own suffering, seeing his suffering over the years and how graceful he was throughout it all. So I, I do believe that there are lessons and I love that you point out what it does for us in understanding impermanence. And that counter to it perhaps is that we must live well while we can. Yes. Live well and love well. And why live without loving? Because at the end, that's all that matters at the end. At the end, you're going to be asked, how much did you love? How much did you love? And it starts with self-love. You have to love yourself and forgive yourself. Forgiveness is one of the greatest healers of all. Uh, So often, you know, people forget how liberating forgiveness is. And it doesn't serve anyone to hold on to grudges or hold on to things. Just forgive. I say that all the time. Forgive and forget. We all are human. We make mistakes. And you will live a happier, more fulfilled life. And you can't forgive if you don't suffer through those feelings of whatever it was that caused the hurt. Correct. And I'm convinced that everybody's doing their best. If they knew better, they would choose a better way. And so often we just have to look at it that way. And, uh, you know, if they would have known that what they said was that hurtful, they probably wouldn't have said it. They didn't even realize it. And it's never too late to go back and heal those wounds. Our childhood wounds, our wounds from teenage years, uh, our, our wounds at any time, take the time to go heal those through love, through forgiveness, through intention, through a conversation of completion with that person. And it's amazing what you're going to discover. And maybe that's, you know, the root of compassion comes from the suffering and the forgiveness and the letting go, as well as what you start the book with, again, that beautiful chapter on identifying that we're all really wanting the same things. We have a a shared humanity, something that's part of each of us. So I love the exercises. How do you know when you're self-aware? Can I say, whew, you know what? I've read Lexi's book. I am good to go. I know who I am. Or am I going to get caught again saying, okay, these are, these are all my traditions, precepts. I've examined it all. I'm enlightened now and I'm good to go. I think we become aware until the moment we die. Okay. I mean, I always say life is one big school and we're here to learn constantly, Uh, but it starts with wanting to be aware. It starts with the, you know, asking like, when was the last time I really stopped to think about my principles and what do I hold dear or how do I want to be remembered or how do I want to live my life? So if you're asking yourself those questions, you're already aware and you can't change anything without awareness. So, um, you know, it starts with that asking yourself questions, as you know, in my book, I have a series of those and then, you know, going from there and waking up every day with some intention. If you're going to change a habit, It takes about 22 days, 23 days. So you can even do a calendar and say every day, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to say this to myself, my positive self-talk, or I'm going to wake up every day and say a prayer. 
and name five things I'm grateful for. There's many ways of getting there, but it's setting the intention of I'm going to do it for, you know, a half a minute every day. And having that kind of, you know, discipline will change your life. And then the ha- then it becomes habitual. And then you'll find, wow, my, my self-talk, what am I saying to myself every day is actually more positive than it used to be. I used to be kind of negative and harsh and judgmental on myself. And now I, I found, you know, I am thinking about how grateful I am and I'm thinking about the qualities I have. And so awareness just starts with questioning, going within yourself, uh, taking that walk on the beach and being aware of what you're saying silently to yourself. Because every day we're saying something. Pay attention to that. I think that's so true. You know, even if we don't think we are, we are. And I'm sure like everyone else, there are days where you wake up and you're feeling really good. If you've had a crummy sleep, you might wake up and you really do have to set sort of an intention because you might think, oh man, you know, my back is sore or there's this, or you didn't sleep well and you're thinking about something that's under your skin a little bit. So it's taking time to really be intentional. Do you have something written somewhere that you look at? Do you have things that cue you in or is this just such a a practice for you? It's become so habitual that you don't, don't need those. Well, all of the above. I mean, you know, I have lots of books in my bookshelf and sometimes I'll pick out those prayers, you know, something, but, um, I do meditate every day in the morning and a little bit in the evening. And, um, Sometimes I'll start out with a little, you know, mantra. Sometimes I'll just start out with prayer. Uh, There's always gratefulness in there. I always, uh, every morning I start out with five things I'm grateful for. So that's what I do personally. You know, I wake up, you know, dear God, here's what I'm grateful for. And I name five things. And then sometimes I'll just sit in quietness or I'll listen to the ocean or the river or the wind blowing. I try to find a quiet place where Again, it's just gently letting go and focusing on breath. And I find in that silence and in that letting go and relaxing of my body, I often do a quick body scan where I'm saying, okay, if I'm holding any tension in my body, I'm just going to let it go. Because we're, you know, we build up things in our body and our minds, you know, negative thoughts, tension, and all that will get in our way of, of truly living a more meaningful, happy life. So it's, it's every day starting out with some kind of intention of release, letting go, forgiveness, uh, whatever it is. So, And again, having a calendar initially and doing it at least for 22 days. After that, you're just going to want to do it. That's how you change habits. It feels so good. I, I agree. Just being grateful, waking up and saying, hey, I woke up. I woke up. I'm healthy. I'm having a good day today. I'm going to have a good day today. It's so much as your attitude, you know, because every stuff is always going to happen. There's going to be a problem. There's going to be an issue. There's going to be sadness. There's going to be a loss. It's, it's how you deal with it. There's always going to be lots of issues, but it's how you deal with that issue or your attitude toward that issue that makes all the difference. That's a choice. That's our personal choice. I like that. It is a choice on how you deal with things. You can't, you can't help what happens to you. Sometimes there are external forces in the world that will fall or befall or things that will happen that others do or say or whatever, but it's how you respond. So correct. These might be rapid fire. You believe in God? Yes, I do. Faith. Yes, I have a lot of faith. I have a faith in humanity. I have faith in the world. I have faith that there's divine intervention out there helping us. So yes, I have a lot of faith. (laughs) Afterlife. 
I believe in afterlife. Um, I have explored, of course, with the Tibetan Buddhist monks, the idea of uh, reincarnation. I find that very interesting. Um, and reincarnation is in a lot of traditions. Um, and in a way, when you look at uh, Jesus who came back, he was reincarnated in a spiritual form. So I guess it would depend on how you want to interpret reincarnation. It could be many lives. Um, I'm open to that thought. So I, I, I definitely believe in heaven. I believe in a heaven. I think that uh, there is a wonderful place you will go to. And I still feel the presence of people that I've had this deep, profound love with, my mother and my father especially. Um, uh, love never dies, in my opinion. And that was what I ended my love book. I wrote, What is Love? And at the end, I say, love never dies. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I said, okay, if love never dies, what is death? And then I wrote, what is death? Um, so those are things that I believe in, absolutely. And that takes faith. So afterlife, reincarnation, or at least carnation of some point, even if it's not reiteration of it. What about angels? Do you believe in angels? I do. My mother told me a story that once uh, she was very ill as a child, uh, she had rheumatic fever and she was very sick, but she opened her eyes and there was an angel at the end of her bed saying, you're going to be okay. And I remember hearing that story from the time I was a little girl and that has stayed with me. And I often evoke angels when I'm praying for somebody. Um, you know, when I say I hold you in my thoughts and prayers, when I pray, I pray for a hundred thousand angels to come forward and surround that surgeon during an operation or a hundred thousand angels surrounding the family that's grieving the loss of their loved one. So I visualize, you know, angels coming and, and forces coming and healing all the time for people. I'm right with you. I know I've heard so many stories about guardian angels and I know I look to my own, um, you know, every day. So, um, okay. I love this. And you've done these beautiful books. I think I'm going to plug, put a plug in for these, the, what is love? What is spirit? What is peace? What is laughter? What is death? They're beautiful because you've created them in a very specific way. Can you share with the readers, you know, what the, and I don't mean formula, but the format it's, it's a really beautiful intro to where you're at now. Well, thank you. I started, my first book was What is Spirit? Um, and Peter Max did all the artwork for that. And my idea of creating my series of, of the first five books, What is Spirit? What is Peace? What is Love? What is Death? And What is Laughter? Was to reach out to artists because I love art. I think art is an inspiration. Our friend Erica would agree. And so I reached out to Peter Max. I said, I'm writing a book called What is Spirit? And I'm interviewing people from all walks of life, uh, people of faith, uh, street people, CEOs, dignitaries, housewives, you name it, business people, children, um, you know, people of faith, atheists, people of all diverse backgrounds. I'm going to ask them one question. What is spirit? And I'm going to put it into a book and I would love your artwork because your colors are so inspirational and he has angels and he hearts and beautiful artwork. And Peter uh, is a friend of mine, bless his soul. He's not well right now. He has Alzheimer's, but um, he said, yes, 
Lexi, I would love to do that. That sounds beautiful. So you will see all of his illustrations and all the beautiful artwork and what is spirit. That's it. With that's his heart. And I subtitled all those books, you know, what is spirit? What is peace? What is love? What is death? What is laughter? Uh, messages from the heart. Because I believe if you're going to answer profound questions like that, what is death? What is peace? What is love? What is spirit? You have to move from your head to your heart. It's an intellectual question. It's a deep, profound question. You can start with your head of what you've learned about that, but then you have to somewhere connect to your heart to truly answer it. So they're all called Messages from the Heart, all of those books, subtitled. And I start out with what is spirit? And then I said, okay, what is spirit? What is peace? And I reached out to another artist friend of mine, Anatoly Ivanov. So it just kept going. I, I'm, I've been lucky to know these incredible artists and they, they all gave me their artwork for free. And they said, we love what you're doing. And I said, these books are about helping people. Uh, I'm not making any money off of them. If I do, it goes to charity. It's just about giving back. So they were all on board. So I wrote those series of art books with an inspirational message. So these are art books with an inspirational message um, and they're gift books. And people have said they've used them sometimes at, at, at dinner parties where they'll open up one of my books, what is peace or what is spirit or what is love. And then they go around and they have deeper conversations at dinner and they look at the artwork and they discuss it. And I go, that's great. So instead of playing games, you actually have meaningful conversations at dinner and games are fun too. I love games, but yeah, so People have used them that way. They've used them as gifts. Um, I've received many letters, especially around what is death, saying that helped them so much dealing with loss. And when you read what is death, I interview 150 people. The premise was the same for each book. I, I would interview 150 people and asking them that question, whatever the question was, what is death? What is love? What is spirit? What is peace? And they would answer it. And I'd put their responses in there. And then I would write, from my point of view, what I think it is. So with death, every one of those answers, and I did purposely interview a lot of hospice workers, but they all answer it from a very positive point of view. And I didn't even, I didn't connect that, you know, when I did it, I, I don't know, I put it all together and produced the book and that was it. But people have said there were other death books that were so depressing that we couldn't read them. And yours is so uplifting because of what people say. And I go, well, it's because people have had real experiences with death and it has been positive, including myself. And it's some of, I mean, it's such an honor to be with a person who's dying. I was fortunate to be with my uncle Nat when he died. And it is such a gift to be with them as they cross over and go to heaven or go wherever they go to be there. And so um, people like the hospice workers would say it's liberating it's letting go, it's going home to God, it's going toward the light. I mean, you can, you know, all the responses and people have said, even though they were people from all walks of life, they all had such a positive take on death that helped me deal with death because I, I was living in fear. So those are the types of letters I've gotten from what is death. Well, I love the, the idea of having this kind of book for meaningful conversations at a dinner. I think that's a great idea, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to do that. I'm going to follow your, your cue on that. But I also love, I mean, we tend to equate death with taxes. It is a terrible thing that we think of, and we're fearful. So when I read through some of the responses, particularly from young people, 
It was really, really insightful and beautiful. So cannot recommend those enough as well. And this sort of leads into this whole spiritual path and journey and asking these big questions. You know, you've become an ordained minister. Is it, it is how did that flow from your your learning? Well, I I wanted to do work in hospitals and go consult people around death. Um, I guess losing my father at 19 was pivotal for me. Um, and and being with people that have died, you know, I, I, I pray, I put my hands on them and I, I'm just there. I'm just present. And I often say to people that the greatest gift you can give a dying person is permission. So often they don't want to leave you. Okay. And I did not do that with my father. I didn't want him to die. I was 19. I kept saying, don't die, don't die, don't die. And he was hanging on there as long as he could, because he didn't want to leave me either. He loved me so much. And so I did it that way. And I did it the opposite way. When my mother died at 85, I was so complete. We loved each other so much. I put my hands on her. I said, I love you so much. You're the greatest mom in the whole world. I will be okay. I will miss you terribly. I will tell everyone you're the greatest mom in the whole world. I will hold your love and your wisdom in my heart forever. And I give you permission to go. And she opened her eyes and smiled and she left. And so I was able to give her permission. And so I've learned that. So as a minister, you know, not a psychologist or psychiatrist or anything, I can go in or work with people and just be present, just hopefully bring love and light and just say, just give this person permission and tell them how much you love them. That's the best way to go out. It's the best way to cross over, uh, surrounded with love and intention of letting go. So um, that's why I became a minister, primarily so I could do that type of work. And on occasion, I'll give sermons like at the Aspen Chapel and things like that. But I don't do that on a regular basis. But. Well, it makes sense, too. I love you've got such an ecumenical kind of ability here to, to cross and to touch and to understand and to feel. When you described your experience with your mom, I felt like crying. It was a beautiful crying, though. And I think it's um, the idea of reimagining some of the suffering on the part of ones we love or ourselves in losing them is a beautiful way to reframe how we see life. Because for me, I, I keep coming back in all the questions, really, and what you've written about. It's an affirmation for life. It's knowing yourself enough to love yourself and live and live in a way that is truly worthy of what life is, how precious it is. It is precious. It's a beautiful gift. And my mother used to say, you know, she missed my father terribly when he died, but she said, the love that we shared will never die and life is for the living. And you must make yourself strong and keep going. And those words, I hear her speaking to me as, as I'm talking to you. And she gave me that kind of strength and wisdom. And uh, so no matter what the loss is, you know, you feel the pain, you want to feel the pain at the same time, go into gratitude for all the love you shared with that person or that animal or whatever it is you're losing or even the job that you're losing. And I, I, you know, there's many losses in our life. You know, divorce is a loss, you know, losing a friend, a pet, a, a family member. There's many, many, uh, many deaths we have before our ultimate death. And it teaches us to let go and feel the pain, but then go into gratitude for the love we did share 
and still feel that. Yes. Yes. Honestly, I love that you're reframing so much of where we've been in 2020 and how to look ahead, to look, to look at the world with fresh eyes and to embrace. For me, I've learned to embrace suffering in a way that's become so freeing in, in, in what you're saying here. I also love that you talk about giving back. Why should we give back? It's on your website. I want to talk about your website before we wrap this. Why give back? Well, for me personally, you know, there's that old saying, the more you give, the more you get, but it's, it's, it gives you purpose. I mean, the happiest people I know in life are the ones that are serving other people. Okay. Whether it's his holiness, the Dalai Lama or uh, Christian priests and, and rabbis or wh- people that are serving and giving back are the happiest people I've ever met in life. And so And giving back, it can be smiling at somebody. It can be helping somebody across the street who needs help. It's these small acts of kindness that everyone can do, and that's a way of giving back, um, will make you a happier, stronger person. And we all, I believe, want to be happy. And the sure way to happiness is by giving and helping and serving 100%. There's just a a light glowing, I think, around you, Lexi. Truly, it's beautiful. I agree with you. It's so important to do that. People can find small ways, little ways to do it. Will it help us to come to this spirit, love, peace? What is that? That's your website address. Yes, yes. My website is spiritpeacelove.com. And when you go there, there'll be... Of course, my books are there, a little bit about them. Uh, There'll be some meditations, some guided meditations you can tap into. Um, I post words of wisdom on there, uh, as well as uh, on my Instagram, which is Spirit Peace Love Books. Um, It's my way of giving back and trying to serve to inspire people. You know, um, I glean out different quotes that I love from people, whether it's, uh, you know, Emerson. Um, I always loved how uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson uh, he would greet people and he would say, what has become clear to you since we last met? <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's a great question. <laughs> I got to think about that. Right. And so he wouldn't just say, hi, how are you? Right. <laughs> what has become clear to you since we last met? I'm like, oh, I love that. But, you know, there's so many deep thinkers we can learn from. You know, there's so many profound people that have touched my life personal friends and books that I've read and things that I've studied. And uh, it's my honor and pleasure to share them with the world. So that's what I'm trying to do. Beautiful. And people can reach out to you on your website. Well, if they go to spiritpeacelove.com, they can reach out to me that way and I will get back to them. Yes. Or my Instagram, they can go to spiritpeacelovebooks. I love that. Emerson is one of my favorites. When I read Walt Whitman and Emerson and on Walden Pond, all those things were transformative for me when I was in college too. So I think we share a love of many of the same writers. There's a quote on your site, however, that really caught my attention because there's a couple of um, sort of mystic, Catholic um, monks, if you will. Would you mind? I don't know if you've got in front of you or not. I do. It was Thomas Merton and Johannes Towler. And, you know, Thomas Merton, Merton is a uh, was a Trappist monk, a mystic. They used to call him Father Lewis. And uh, Johannes Taller, of course, is a, a German mystic, Catholic priest. Some of the deepest thinkers, Christian scholars I've, I've ever read 
They're both incredible. Okay. So yes, I do. And thank you for, uh, I can read it here with my glasses. I would love this. It says, uh, I have it here because I thought that was so beautiful. You picked that up. Oh God, may I find deep solitude and gentleness with which I can truly love my brothers and sisters. For I know, oh Lord, that the more solitary I am, the more affection I have for them. May solitude and silence teach me to love others for what they are, not for what they say. Give me your spirit to learn wisdom through humility, knowledge by letting go, how to speak by silence, and how to live by dying. Yes. It's really beautiful, Lexi. Oh, thank you, Rose. You are such a beautiful soul. You're awesome. I'm absolutely humbled by you. I hope that we can talk again because I think there are so many ways on a, truly, I would love to see you have a a weekly show or something where you are sharing these pearls just once a week and dropping them into our sipping on whatever so that we sip each week with something enlightening. It's truly beautiful. So on behalf of everyone, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Rose. Thank you. It was such an honor talking with you. Again, you're a beautiful, loving soul. And thank you for all the light that you shine on the world. Thank you. Thank you for being who you are. Okay. So I'm going to just sign off now, and then I'm going to get notes on how to get that tea you're sipping on because I definitely need it. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. And please do not forget to reach out to Lexi. You can find her at spiritpeacelove.com. Check out her books. They are visually compelling and beautiful. They're a keepsake just for the artwork. The artists are, are well known, but it's just incredible the way she's matched those two things together. So take care, everyone. Remember that you are loved. Trust in yourself. Ask the big questions. You won't be disappointed. And Love yourself. Love yourself. Enjoy that silence. Take care. Bye-bye.